Imagine if you could just have an injection every week and the kilos you'd been trying to shed finally disappeared. That dream could be closer to reality for some people now. The drug Wegovi has been approved for use in Australia and it should hit pharmacies soon. It's a high-dose semaglutide, a class of drug that's used to treat diabetes. But because experts are calling it a miracle and a game-changer for weight loss, there are now worldwide shortages. We'll look at safety and access issues today, but also the science behind obesity and whether this drug could end some agonising struggles for people trying to lose weight. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. How do you think this new drug could change the conversation about obesity in our society? You can head to our Facebook page and join some lively commentary there. Susan has lived experience here. She's been taking a semaglutide drug for the past three months. After breast cancer and reconstruction in 2016 and then going through menopause, I naturally have put on weight. But my main concern was under my left arm, I um, have got a very large bulge of fat that gets in the way of my movements every day with the arm. This has occurred because um, the, the weight that I've gained could not go evenly around my breast implants. I spoke to my doctor. We talked about plastic surgery, but for another $15,000, which I don't have, that wasn't an option. And also the recovery can take three to six months after implants are removed. And so she suggested, um, why don't we try this? to see if we can see any difference in the in the weight loss. I have now lost about five kilos. The weight loss has, has um, subsided quite evenly, including the, um, the bit under my left arm. When I first started the drug, I initially felt quite nauseous, um, but that's gone now. Um, I find that generally I eat half the amount of food for each meal. And I find that um, when I get to, when I'm full, I just simply can't eat anymore. Um, after cancer treatment, it's natural to become quite anxious about how you look. I feel so much better when I look at myself now, just after losing this bit of, bit of weight. Um, I do plan to continue this for another two to three months, but I have felt that 2023 is my year um, and not to work so hard and spend more time looking after my body and my mind. That's Susan. And for me, that really highlights the many different reasons people might want to lose some weight. That a drug is costing Susan about $400 a month. Your thoughts very welcome via the Facebook page. How do you think this new drug or class of drugs might change the conversation about obesity in Australia. Professor Joseph Proietto is an endocrinologist specialising in obesity. He's director of the Weight Control Clinic at Austin Health. Great to have you with us here. Do we need to update that uh, title? I, I was. Ah, what's your title now, Joseph? <laughs> well, I, I've retired from the hospital, so now I work in private practice only for three days a week. Alrighty, but that's a, a very good legacy to bring to this program. Uh, so, formerly director of the Weight Control Clinic at Austin Health. And Dr. Terry Lynn South is with us too. She's a GP, a former dietitian, and the chair of the Royal College of GPs Obesity Management Special Interest Group. Terry Lynn, great to have you here. I'm very pleased to be here. Just going to double check your title too. We got that right? Yes, correct. Excellent. Good, good. Good, good to start well. You're listening to Life Matters on ABC RN. Terry Lynn, I'll start with you, if I may. You've been prescribing this uh, semaglutide drug. What have you been seeing in your clinic? Do you have a lot of people coming in and asking for it? 
yes, absolutely. And and uh, medical professionals are aware of the trials that have shown such success in America. And the public and the patients are aware of it too. Uh, so we do have patients coming into clinic asking specifically for this medication. And I have used it earlier um, last year and I've seen similar results to what Susan was explaining on the radio. Um, people are finding that there's less appetite, uh, they're eating less, uh, they're moving more, they're enjoying life. And Terry-Lynn, what criteria do you use as a GP to work out who should receive it? Is there a, a kind of uh, set of parameters that people have to meet in terms of, say, clinical obesity, or do you, do you, do you use other guidelines? No, I, I follow the product uh, recommendations in regards to uh, BMI, both um, how high it is and any complications related to that BMI. So BMI has been criticised as a measure of uh, ill health in recent years. Is that enough to make those decisions? Uh, look, I agree with some of the criticisms regarding BMI. Um, I agree that it's uh, historically a way that we have classified obesity, but it really is only a small part of the bigger um, assessment that should be for an individual. Uh, unfortunately, there's a real historical and legacy um, component in regards to that. Uh, me personally, I look at a more holistic picture. Uh, BMI is just one thing. So is waist circumference. So is their metabolic health. So is their mental health and physical mechanical things uh, that can be related and a problem for people living in a larger body. So you're looking at health risks as well as just the, the mere numbers about someone's size. Absolutely. I never look at just the mere numbers. So what sort of results do you see, Terry Lynn, in, in the patients that you've prescribed this drug to? Initially, I, I find that it gives them a little bit of space to make better choices in regards to their uh, food. Um, it also allows them not to um, have that constant hunger. And, and for some people, it's the first time they actually feel a sensation of, of fullness. I actually think it gives them a sense of what people who don't struggle with weight feel like uh, every day. Terry Lynn, we're getting text messages coming in already. Chrissy says it is time to recognise that Ozempic, another one of these semaglutide drugs, works. I'm an older female who tried everything, but I lost more than 20 kilos on this drug. Changed my life. Now I walk everywhere, continue to work. I'm, less, I'm taking less sick leave. I've got better mental health. Chrissy says if you haven't used this drug, you are not qualified to comment. So there's some strong feelings there about how, how it's uh, helping Chrissy at least. How much does it cost? if people are able to access this drug, Terry Lynn? Uh, currently, my understanding is the only way to access this medication from a weight uh, loss control point of view is through a temporary Section uh, 19A um, TGA approved to some pharmacies to import it from overseas uh, producers. So, it, yes, as you quoted before, it's up to $400 a month. Right. So that's a, a significant investment for, for a lot of people. We're speaking with uh, Dr. Terry Lynn South, who's a GP, a former dietitian and the chair of the Royal College of GPs Obesity Management Special Interest Group. And Professor Joseph Proietto is one of our guests today too, an endocrinologist who's uh, spent many years specialising in obesity. He was director of the Weight Control Clinic at Austin Health. Joseph, uh, tell us a bit about how this drug works in the body. What does it do? Well, it has many actions. It's released by the small bowel after we eat. 
And then I like to tell people it does everything except wash the dishes. <laughs> but so it stimulates insulin secretion, but only if the sugar is high. <clears throat> and it also suppresses the hormone glucagon, which stimulates the liver to make sugar. So those two actions are useful in treating diabetes. The drug then goes to the stomach and slows its emptying. That's why you feel fuller for longer. And then it goes to the brain and acts in many areas of the brain to suppress hunger. So could that have um, impacts if your digestion is slowed down, further down the tract, for example? Could that be a problem? Not really. It would be a problem for people with diabetes who have um, who've had diabetes for many years who may have trouble emptying their stomach, gastroparesis, that's called. Yes. But for most people, not so much. No. And the side effects we uh, uh, are hearing that can be quite unpleasant in a digestive sense, what do people experience? The most common side effect is mild nausea, which, if you continue taking it, goes away in most people. There are, there's a wide range of sensitivity to this hormone. There are some people that get a lot of nausea that need to start at a really, really low level and then build up slowly. And there are others that don't get any at all. But the, the common if for most people is mild nausea that settles after some use. Lots of text messages coming in, many of them phrased as questions. How will a pill change bad habits? I might put this to Terry Lynn, if I may. Is there a requirement to also look at diet and exercise and lifestyle factors when people are prescribed this drug, Terry Lynn? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think this medication should be just considered a tool to help people with lifestyle changes that need to be for the rest of their life. Well, yes. Do, can you ever go off it and, and keep your results or no? I think this medication for some people is something that they should consider lifelong. As Dr. Uh, Professor Joe uh, mentioned, individuals respond to this medication quite differently. Or, or I should say in regards to how successful it is, both with regards to the side effects, but also how much weight loss they lose. For some people, their genetics will determine that their obesity is a chronic medical condition that they will need to manage for the rest of their life. And a tool such as semaglutide may be part of that chronic management, just like we would talk about type 2 diabetes as being a chronic medical condition or high blood pressure or high cholesterol. For other people, it could be used in a different sense that this may be something that helps them change some of those um, lifestyle measures that they could continue with um, and looking at the medication as a slow wean or some other um, pattern or regime to, to have weight maintenance because to be honest with you Hillary I think weight maintenance is almost harder than weight loss. Well it was really interesting to hear from Chrissy before wasn't it and her experience being that it was easier to take up those healthy lifestyle habits once she'd had that reset of losing some weight and making it easier to move around. We're speaking about a class of drugs called semaglutides and Wegovy is one that you might have heard of. It's very very uh, big on social media uh, there are other brand names as well um, circulating and uh, yeah Susan was on a, a different version that we heard from earlier in the program. We're speaking with Dr. Terry 
Lynn South, a GP, a former dietitian and chair of the Royal College of GPs Obesity Management Special Interest Group. And I'm particularly interested in how GPs manage this today. And with us today too is Professor Joseph Proietto, who spent some time as director of the Weight Control Clinic at Austin Health. Um, let's have a quick chat, Joseph, about obesity and what actually causes it. How do our bodies end up this way? Well, <clears throat> obesity, as opposed to mild overweight, is always genetic. And there are three lines of evidence to suggest that. The first is a group of three studies that were published about 20 years ago where they showed that identical twins are more similar in weight than fraternal twins. And it doesn't matter whether they're raised together or raised apart from birth. So does that genetic <coughs> factor mean that it is impossible to lose weight through no, no, normal channels? No, 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 no. You can lose weight, but it's... Then, then if you overfeed twins, identical twins, you find a, gr a group of these identical twins, you find that some put on weight and some don't. But the twins track together. There was a study done in Canada. And then the third of these studies is one that... W they recruited about 700 people in Denmark who were adopted as babies. And then they tracked down their parents and asked the question, their biological parents, and asked the question, is there a similarity in weight between them and their biological mothers and fathers? And there was, highly statistically significant. And when they asked the question, to, was there any similarity in weight to their bio, uh, the, the adoptive parents, there was none at all. We've heard a lot, I guess, about the way genetics and epigenetics, genetics and environment can work together. When we look at this drug compared to other ways that people have tried to lose weight, lifestyle only, uh, gastric band surgery, can we make a comment about the effectiveness over time? Of, of the drug? Yeah. Well, it varies, as we said, from person to person. Um, the, um, to lose weight, the best way to lose weight we showed in a study that we published in 2014 where we did a rate of weight loss study and we found that if you combine reducing intake with avoiding carbohydrates within three days you get ketosis which suppresses hunger and then you lose weight more people lost weight fewer people dropped out in that study so but as was suggested before we need the medication more for weight maintenance than actually for weight loss and um, so the it's very important to l maintain the weight because nearly everybody regains the weight. Yeah, and as we've seen, this can be an issue with this drug as well. And this is another line of evidence. The body defends weight vigorously. After you lose weight, two things happen that make you regain. The first one is, as we've shown in America, that the energy... You, you burn 300 calories or 1,200 kilojoules less after you lose weight than before. And then um, the other way is that you get more hungry after weight loss, as we showed in a study we published in 2011. So could you potentially use this drug 
every few years, perhaps, to reset those hunger cues for people who are on a weight loss no, journey? No, no, you need to be on it long term. And, and hence, the lower the dose, the better, and hopefully it won't be too expensive. <laughs> yes. Well, before we run out of time, I would like to touch on that access issue because we're getting many texts uh, about the, the pressure on suppliers, given that it is also used to treat type 2 diabetes. Off-label use of these drug, drugs is damaging type 2 diabetes sufferers, so doctors doing it should be prevented from doing so. That's from Paul from Warrigal. And another person says, seems like prevention of diabetes is less important important than treatment of diabetes. Joseph, just quickly, do you have thoughts on that idea of who is more deserving of this, this class of drugs? We need to remember that obesity has more complications than diabetes. And top of the list of complications of obesity is diabetes, right? Secondly, people with diabetes have many other drugs that they can use. For a start, we've had dulaglutide, which is one of the same class of drugs um, that has been available in Australia for many, many years, and they have that to lower the sugar. Whereas people with obesity hardly had some medications, but not that were very effective. Uh, Terry Lynn South, I noticed that the RACGP guidance is very straightforward for GPs. We don't want new patients initiated on drugs that are in short supply, like Ozempic, one of these semaglutides, says uh, Dr Karen Price, the president of the RACGP. Are you confident that GPs are targeting these prescriptions where they're most needed? Um, yes, I am confident that our, um, you know, many thousands of GPs are taking on board the advice from our college. And, I mean, is there enough education, I guess, about... Um, I, I'm thinking about the huge pressure to be thin on, you know, just about everyone, but particularly women in our society, and balancing uh, that pressure against the, the kind of uh, medical motivations and health motivations for prescribing this drug. Do you think that uh, it's going to be easy for GPs to navigate people coming to, to them and saying, I really want this drug, I just want to lose five kilos or something like that? I do think it will be difficult for GPs, but this is part of the role of a GP. Um, you know, GPs also get other patients coming to them asking for medications inappropriately as well. So they're, they're well versed in practice from that point of view. I think it's going to open up a conversation between the patient and the GP to actually talk about some of those outdated expectations or health messages about that you have to be a, in a you know healthy weight range to actually have weight, uh, sorry, have health. People are living in a larger body, even if they lose a small amount of weight of five or 10 percent, can have huge improvements in their health, in their mental health, in their mobility. If they have complications, that small amount of weight loss can improve type 2 diabetes, sleep apnea, uh, knee arthritis. So we're not necessarily asking patients to get to a thin ideal. Uh, but to actually talk to their GP at in a holistic manner, not just medication, but also lifestyle, eating, food choices, activity, sleep, stress, all of those sorts of things. So I think it's a, a opportunity for GPs to really change the conversation. Well, there's lots of text messages coming in, yeah, on those lines saying, you know, we need to think about this differently. And one saying, is it actually possible to lose weight in the environment that we have now? Why is obesity a bigger problem these days than it was in the past? 
Oh, absolutely. I do think it's very hard. And I think we can, uh, one, blame genetics, epigenetics and our environment. If we look at, you know, we're burning much less energy than we were you know, 100 years ago. And our uh, highly processed food um, is to be a blame with regards to increased energy uh, intake. Really fascinating uh, texts coming in. I'm just going to read out a couple before we wrap up. Uh, Dr. Terry Lynn South and Professor Joseph Proietto. One says, I am obese. I have, across the last 20 years, lost at least 50 kilos in 10 to 20 kilo bouts, mostly in medically supervised ways. But now I weigh as much as I ever have. It just comes back. I accept it's a lifelong chronic condition. I find semaglutide for the first time that I can remember takes away my hunger. It makes me feel normal. Please make it affordable and Julie says obesity of course it's a disease the long-term health consequences are well known and cost the health system millions no one who's obese wants to be so people who are naturally thin think that they are because they do the right thing when in fact many obese people who struggle every day to do the right thing remain overweight individual metabolism says Julie has so much effect the drugs that help reduce obesity should be allowed it would save a massive amount of health dollars Dr Terry Lynn South what are you what is your thought on the affordability issue? Is there a way to make this more easily accessible for people who need it? Oh, I absolutely agree. It's a very expensive drug. Um, and as Professor Joseph said, we try and keep the dose as low as possible to help with that affordability. Um, it would be great if there was some sort of um, subsidy through the, the government. But my understanding is that hasn't been approached as of yet from the drug company. Really fascinating discussion. I'm sure we'll see more conversations about this in future. Uh, Professor Joseph Proietto, thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure. And Dr Terry Lynn South, really good to have you with us uh, on the program. You're welcome. Professor Joseph Proietto is an endocrinologist specialising in obesity and he was the director of the Weight Control Clinic at Austin Health. Dr Terry Lynn South is a GP, a former dietitian and chair of the Royal Australian College of GPs Obesity Management Special Interest Group. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.